Two weeks ago, I talked about how love can seem impossible when we're called to love our enemies. And last week, I talked about how love can seem impossible when we're called to love our spouse. If you missed either of those programs, go back and have a listen, and hopefully you'll find um, some nuggets of truth in those. Today, though, we're going to talk about love seems impossible when I can't love myself. Hey, it's Amber L.B. Swenson, wife, mother, warrior, overthinker, type A, holding on to God and his promises to get me through the day. Thanks for joining me to explore everyday issues from a biblical perspective so we can all know and love God more. And interestingly enough, depression is statistically an issue for one out of five Americans, according to the Anxiety Depression Association. In fact, it's a leading cause of disability for those ages 15 to 44. There's a whole lot of factors that contribute to this, and we're not going to talk about chemical imbalance or medication issues because I'm neither a therapist or a doctor. And we're also not going to talk about abuse because that's going to be a topic that's going to come up in a couple of months, and we're going to cover that more in depth. So today, we're going to start by talking about body image. According to an online study in 2018 by Ipsos on behalf of River Mend Health, they asked Americans about their ideal male and female body image. And 83% of women and 74% of men said they were dissatisfied with the way they looked. In fact, they found that the athletic build was the ideal. In, in most people's eyes, that's what they would strive for. If they could have any body type at all, what they would strive for is an athletic-looking body. <laughs> so the interesting thing about that is from the time that I was 20 until I was about 40, I had that athletic build that they were talking about, and I can't tell you how much I really wanted curves. I, I wasn't at all happy with myself with that athletic build because – I thought the curvier body was more beautiful, which just goes to show that body body image is really a very individual thing. And so we have to be careful that we don't just get caught in the trap of never being content with who we are. Because what does God say about our bodies? Well, we find out that when Saul was rejected by God as the king over Israel. He sent Samuel to anoint the next king of Israel. And Samuel went to Jesse's house and he saw Jesse's firstborn. And he was tall and he was handsome and he thought, wow, this this one must be the one who was chosen to be the next king of Israel. But nope, sure enough, it wasn't. And the next one and the next one and all of them who seemed to be very good looking weren't what? God was looking for. And in fact, it was David, the youngest, the smallest, the one who his father hadn't even called in from the field, who God anointed to be the next king. And why? Because his heart was tuned to God. God said to Samuel, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And the very next chapter in the book of 1 Samuel has David going to visit his brothers while they're on the battlefield. And sure enough, these strong, tall, 
older brothers of his are shaking in their boots while Goliath comes out and taunts them. And even King Saul, who was taller and bigger than David, was forlorn. He didn't know what to do with himself. So when David volunteered to go fight, he tried on Saul's armor. It was way too big for him. But he didn't have the body type, maybe, of a warrior. But he had a heart who trusted that God would be with him and God could defeat Israel's enemy. So God showed that he wasn't he wasn't worried about someone being, um, you know, the supermodel in order to run the country. He really was looking at a heart that wanted to do God's will. That's what he was looking for. Now, some people in the Old Testament had great looks. Daniel and Esther, and they both had great looks for a purpose. Daniel was raised up to serve King Nebuchadnezzar's court at a time when the Israelites were coming over and they were being brought into captivity. So God put him in a position of power to be there when the other Israelites came. And Esther, she was raised for a purpose too. She was beautiful and she became the queen um, to save the Jewish people. So if you have looks, there's a good chance that there's a purpose for you, that, that you'll need those looks. And if you don't have the ideal body, if you aren't supermodel looking, well, then God must have designed you for a different purpose. And so we don't have to get all caught up in our body image and let that be something that really brings us down and leads us to depression. Even though it is super easy to fall into that trap, it's a better idea to remember what your purpose is and to make sure that your heart is tuned into God because that's what God finds attractive. Henri Hepburn said, For beautiful eyes, look for the good in others. For beautiful lips, speak only words of kindness. And for poise, walk with the knowledge that you are never alone. That's how to be beautiful. That and tuning your heart to God. You will be a a very well-loved servant of the Lord if you put those things into practice. Number two thing that can lead to depression and what body images in youth, health tends to be in older years. So in youth, people really want the ideal looking body. But in, as people get older, it's, it's health that they really crave if they don't have that. And if they don't have the ability to do once, what they once did, they lose that feeling of being useful and having meaningful things to do to contribute to society and to contribute to the home. And it can be very easy to fall into despair and depression. And that's why we have to remember that, you know, if we're alive, if we're alive, it's for a purpose. If God hasn't called us home, it's because he hasn't decided our work here is over. We serve a purpose no matter what stage of life we're in. Even as an elderly person, um, you may not be able to do the things physically that you used to to do, but you can you can pray for people. You can pray for your family and your church body. You can um, write to missionaries. You can write to people encouraging cards. You can give people your wisdom. You can um, t- kind of clue them in into things that they can do to make their life easier or to be more content right now. 
I, as you know, um, if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, I, until this whole COVID thing started happening, I was working as an elderly companion. And I had done that for many years. And even as we've gone through these months of um, dealing with COVID, I still every now and then call uh, my last client who is in her 90s. And I just love her outlook on life. Because, you know, early on, she would say, I don't understand why people are so having such a hard time staying home. You know, you guys have TV. When I was growing up, we never had TV. And you guys have these phones. And you can watch movies. And you can get the latest news. And you can do all this stuff. She said, if I would have had to have stayed home, I wouldn't have had anything. I would have been, you know, just playing with the few little toys that I had, and I would have been doing housework, and and that's about all. And that really made an impact on me. And in fact, when my children started, you know, if they started complaining because we hadn't gone anywhere or done anything, I would bring up what my client said and, you know, remind them that God has given us many things to do, meaningful things to do while we're in this season. And he's also given us many opportunities for passing the time. Some, of course, are better than others, but we have no reason to complain. We are told in the Psalms um, to this, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. All of us, our job as we get older, um, even if we don't feel useful, our job is to do whatever we can to continue to live wisely. So to use our, whatever we have, whatever talents, whatever abilities, whatever um, knowledge and wisdom that we have gained for the good of others. And for the rest of us, our job when we're around the elderly is to remind them that they are, you know, valued and that they have a purpose and to give them things to do. You know, call up your elderly grandma and tell her what's going on in your life so that she can pray for you. Um, check back in with her. Those those things are huge to the elderly when they are given things to do. And they can feel as if they are valued and that their life has meaning. The Apostle Paul says, One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I don't want to get to the point that I give up. Um, Wherever God puts me at the end of my life, whatever I'm able to do or not able to do, I hope and I pray that whatever time I have, I can use to glorify God and to honor him with the way that I talk, with the things that I do, with the way that I spend my time, with the way that I encourage the people around me. Those those things have meaning, and that's good for us to remember. It's also good to, for us to remember um, what we're told in Psalm 121, which is the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. It is so easy to feel forgotten, but we have to remember that God is still watching us. Even if we feel that our time should be up, if we feel that we should be in heaven already, you know, God hasn't forgotten you. He knows right where you're at and just continue to press on and serve where you are doing what you can until the Lord calls you home. These themes that we've been talking about this month, 
when love seems impossible are themes that I explored in a novel I wrote called The Bread of Angels. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Megan Martins walked into the cosmetology school and straight into the path of Becky Ellingson, her husband's ex-girlfriend. 20 minutes later, Megan raced out of Hair Nation with half of her head highlighted and the reality that her husband was not who she thought he was. He had a son, a bank account, and jobs to provide child support, which she knew nothing about. Tragedy, controversy, and a new understanding of the human condition await Megan in the tiny town of Ornoco, Minnesota. But so do adventure, hope, and witty friends who bring meaning back to her life. To get a copy of The Bread of Angels, check out our episode notes where you'll find a link or go to amberlbswenson.com. Another way that we can sometimes fall into depression is when we're not where we want to be professionally or in our relationships. Um, and And that's just a really easy thing to always feel like we want to be at the next stage not ever happy with where we're at right now. I think it's important that as we read the Bible, we recognize that very few people had it all. In fact, I'm not sure that I know anyone in the Bible who had it all. Sarah was married to a wealthy, influential man. She was very beautiful, we're told. Um, She was Abraham's wife, but she had no children. Esther, she was beautiful. She was queen but she was married to a heathen playboy. Rachel, very beautiful, married the man that she loved, wasn't able to have children for many years. Leah, she was able to have children, but she wasn't loved. Even Daniel, who was intelligent, wise, he was raised to a prominent position. He didn't have a family. Joseph, same thing. Joseph was raised up to this beautiful um, position in Egypt, But yet, he had this trauma about him. And it wasn't until later in life when God gave him back his family. He had to, you know, go through the trenches for 13 years before he got his family back. So, you know, very, very rarely do we have it all. (laughs) Rarely does God give it all to us. And there's probably good reason for that. If we had it all, we might be tempted to forget God. And so I think the key is to do whatever we're given to do in this season and to do it well and to honor God with what, whatever we have. So if we have children right now, raise them well. Do your, you, you know, give it what, give it all you have. Put a lot into raising them to be godly young men and women. If professionally you're doing really well, awesome. Do it to the glory of God. Um, use that money and the um, the position that you have in life to do great things in God's kingdom. If you're married, enjoy it. Use those combined efforts for the good of the church, the neighborhood, the community. And if you're not married and you're single and you have all kinds of time, use that for the benefit of the church, the neighborhood, the community. Honestly, contentment is going to take you through a lot. And that is so different than constantly striving and constantly thinking that you're not where you want to be. You know, we can all get to that point where we just, you know, are down on ourselves and down on our life. Or we can look at uh, our life right now and say, okay, Lord, this is where I'm at. 
so use me right here. In Ecclesiastes, we're told, I know there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and do good while they live, and also that every man should eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his labor. This is the gift of God. So, you know, right here, right now, wherever you are, don't look at it as a disadvantage. Look at it as an opportunity to serve and glorify the Lord right here. And then one last thing that I'm going to talk about, sometimes shame really bogs us down and keeps us from feeling good enough. It's like a chain that shackles us. And you know, God never intended that to be the way our life worked. He intended, you know, sometimes we do feel guilty and it's a good thing. Our conscience is kicking in and reminding us that we need to repent. But once we repent, God says, I have removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. It's supposed to be forgotten. Forget about it. Don't worry about it anymore. It's done. So to carry that shame is like not feeling as if Jesus' death was enough. And that's that's not where we want to be. I love the song by Matt Marr. It's based on the account of the prodigal son. And he the chorus says, I run to the Father, fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again and again. If Jesus was here, he would say, put it down. Put that shame down. I paid it. I never meant for you to carry it. And how do I know? There are three women in the Bible who if Jesus wanted to shame them for their sin, he certainly could have. So you've got the woman at the well, all those failed marriages, and she was living with a man who wasn't her husband. Jesus clearly could have sat down and shamed her. She very likely was used to most of the people in the community doing that. And so, but that wasn't what Jesus was there to do. In fact, Jesus was there to reveal to her that he was the Savior. So he did that through her. He introduced the whole town to himself so that many would come to faith. He didn't shame her. He gave himself to her as her Savior. There was the woman caught in adultery who clearly was being shamed by the Jewish leaders who brought her to Jesus. And Jesus, again, if anybody was going to condemn anybody, Jesus could have condemned this woman. He had never sinned. And yet, he dismissed the crowd by saying, you know, whoever's without sin, you go ahead and throw the first stone. And then he said to her, who is left to condemn you? And she said, no one, sir. And he said, then neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. He didn't put a guilt trip on her. He, through his love, motivated her to want to do things differently. And then there was that woman who wept at Jesus' feet. And the Pharisees at the dinner were thinking, you know, if he knew who this woman was, he would not be happy with her touching his feet. And yet Jesus didn't chase her away. In fact, he said, you know, I came into this house and nobody washed my feet, but she has not quit crying and wiping my feet. No shame. So if shame it is, is what brings you into depression and despair, repent of that sin and then leave it at the cross. Don't carry it anymore. God never intended for you to do that. 
In fact, we can be very assured that what God wants more than ever is for us to realize how much he loves us. We are told that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who belong to God. And look at those words. Those are huge words. You were chosen, even if you've never been chosen for anything else before, God chose you. You were royal, royal, like the royalty of this world, only so much better. You're holy. Again, get rid of that shame because through Christ and his sacrifice, you are seen as holy. You belong to God. You have a family. You are not alone. You belong. The Apostle Paul said, as a matter of fact, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. There is nothing that we can do that can push us away. Neither life nor death, angels or demons, the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't know of anything else that can motivate us to take whatever we have, whatever God has given us, and use it for his glory in his kingdom right now. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Next week on Little Things, we're going to be talking about love can seem impossible when we're called to love our children through the difficult seasons in life. I'm going to give you four tips that I hope will help you when you're about ready to pull out your hair. Trust me, as a mom, I've been there many, many times before. But I want to encourage you to hang in there and we'll get through this together. Would you rate and review this podcast and share it with somebody if you think it would be helpful to them? And don't forget to pray for us at Time of Grace. We really appreciate your continued prayers 